You're listening to DraftKings Network. Hello, this is Dan, and welcome to Mystery Crate. And in the next incarnation of Mystery Crate, we hope to have an assortment of things for you here that are a little stranger, a little unusual, a little more unusual, a little more unpredictable over time in terms of what it is that you're getting here. One of the things we were doing in the shadowy underbelly at Disney when we were sort of fighting against the corporate machine is we were doing bits, basically, where we didn't explain to you what we were doing. We didn't explain to you who we were doing it with, but we just did bits as if someone was a real person and they were not a real person and they would just say more and more outlandish things. I wanted to run it on ESPN radio. Mike Ryan would not let us because he thought we thought it'd be a better joke to never tell you who the people were who were doing it, even if they were famous people. And we thought that maybe if we put it on ESPN radio, it would get seen by too many people and then start drawing attention to what was going to become a bit that we were doing throughout the pandemic with a variety of people. We were playing it straight and not letting people know that it was a parody. We stuck to the premise of it. And if we put it on ESPN radio, we'd have to continue playing straight. And my bosses, who weren't paying attention to what we were doing on Mystery Crate, would all of a sudden potentially start paying attention the second a media request or a sound clearance request came across about, hey, who is this strength and conditioning coach doing God knows what in Tulsa? So we decided to keep it on Mystery Crate, never really admit that it was a a spoof interview. Proof positive that executives simply weren't listening to anything we were doing in the shadows. Yeah, they were. Well, I mean, I have plenty of examples, and that's one of them. And proof positive that the only times that we would get in trouble is if there were headlines around our show that reached PR and now we were in trouble. But if we're doing this in the shadows and people can't tell if it's real and we're not explaining to them that it is real or it isn't real or that the person is or isn't real, and then people started getting fooled where they're, wait, this can't be real. This is ridiculous. So I'm going to Google this person. Really mad. Why can't I find this person? But I thought, I always thought, I love the way that we did this, but I always thought that people would give the benefit of the doubt to funny if we told them on the front end who it was who was playing the character. And because so many of you got fooled by the joke, you got angry at the joke. You didn't like the joke because you were 10 minutes in on the joke and you didn't like being played for the fool because very few people, I think, stunningly, right? Because there are all sorts of times that I'll troll people on Twitter because it's just amusing to, to easily troll them. But stunningly, there were a whole lot of people who did not get this joke. It's not that they immediately seized the joke and they were like, this is a dumb thing that they're doing. It's that they got fooled by it and then they got angry at us. This was the start of a series of interviews with spoof characters, David Gilmore. Uh, was it Garva? Dr. Garva? No, Dr. Garva was Hank Azaria. Yeah, well, you'll find out in this episode who played Tim Jerns and, and what cool access it gave us during the summer months of the pandemic. This was really enjoyable for us to put together. It takes us back to a time. This started a whole spoof interview crazy. It's the only fun with Mike. I would say that you and I didn't have any creative fun doing the show during the pandemic, waiting for headsets to be sent, and just we were. 
we were abandoned and it was neglect and it was bad. Like we couldn't get the most basic things to do the most, the, the, the biggest sports exciting. radio show. It was also exciting to be able to create content in new ways, leaning on teleconference apps, finding new ways to create. Well, you learned to engineer there. What you're doing now, you learned right there. Well, well I learned how to engineer during a pandemic there. <laughs> I, I, I knew how to do things a certain way, and we all had to rework our workflow, and it, it gave us a good amount of stress. But born out of that stress was this creative outlet that we really appreciated. And it was there were levels to Tim Jerns and the ensuing characters thereafter, whether it was social commentary on the pandemic itself, which is kind of what Tim Jerns was, with a, a dash of making fun of uh, our employer from you know the machine from was, in the shadows in a way that couldn't it, that no one can write about with context like it's just look i don't want to get super over involved in performance art but we like to make it so hard to give context to somebody something that people will just keep moving past it because the joke is too hard to explain and so we so enjoyed we that no one could write about it. it. Well, let's okay. Let's just get to it. Tell the people why we're repurposing it today with the knowledge that they need to have to hear it uh, more differently, perhaps than they heard it the first time. Many of whom they didn't hear it the first time. Well, some of you, we have a lot of new listeners to the Levitard and Friends universe. A lot of people really uh, adhered to the messaging that we put out there. So this is new to a lot of folks, and a lot of folks just. Skip Mystery Crate in the past. So this gives you an opportunity. It's not us being lazy. We're just damn proud of this. And we want to give you... It's the best work we did during the pandemic. And if the feedback is good, maybe we do more of this stuff. I like putting stuff out there and not admitting that it's real until months after the fact. So this is a collection of the Tim Jern stuff. We have a lot of great stuff. If you're subscribed to Mystery Crate and we're active, go back into your archive because you still have it. It's downloaded to your phone and listen to some of this great stuff. If not, we'll find ways to weave some of the popular stuff we did back into this property because that's what mystery crate is week to week you never know sometimes it's legitimately a segment called you never know with the codies it's fun and it's inside it doesn't cast a wide net it is made for fans of our show supodity south beach sessions those can exist even outside the levitard and sugat show universe they have wider nets this this is just the diehards this mystery crate. they're gonna say that this is us being lazy but what mike just said it's a moment in time it's the height of the pandemic we were all really scared and i know we're really scared now but we didn't know what the hell was happening with unknown virus that just short-circuited everything in the economy and every kind of normal to thrust us into the worst time in any of our lives. And it was like that for many creatives that were doing nothing. Stuck in their house, looking for something to do, working as paid interns for us because they were just bored. And we gladly we used took them. their talents. Yes. So this is it. Mystery Crate, the Tim Jerns collection. We'll tell you at the end a little more. We'll take you a little more inside at the end of this. As I get older here, you guys have been able to do a lot of laughing at me because I get fooled by the internet all the time. There's a shark on the highway in a flooded Houston, and I believe it. Uh, there's an orca whale uh, somewhere that it's not supposed to be, and I believe it. And so there, this happens all the time to me where I have to just shout to Mike Ryan, hey, Mike, is this real before I start commenting on this and embarrassing myself? And so I get this story the other day, and I couldn't believe it, right? I'm surprised it's not getting more coverage on ESPN and everywhere else. Uh, I get this story the other day about Tim Jerns. He's a strength coach at Southeast Tulsa College. And I'm like, how can this be real? Is this real? And I'm just sort of shouting it around. 
And then Allison finds Tim Jerns. This is a person who exists. And I, I couldn't believe some of the things that I was reading. But anyways, uh, Tim, I'm, I'm, thank you for doing this. First of all, appreciate your time. Dan, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm just stunned, though, at some of the things that you're doing uh, during what is obviously a pretty panicked time in America where you're, you're running your guys through football drills still. Well, first off, that's misleading. Typical of the press that they would put it out there like that. These are optional strength and conditioning sessions that we're having. These are team building exercises, uh, purely optional. And fortunately, I've got a great crop of young men and every one of them has decided to show up for this. But I feel like you're you're dabbling in like some gray areas here where fully optional, like I was sort of told one of the details that was sort of appalling to me is that these these felt like involuntary OTAs. Well, look, here, here's the bottom line. And you know the way it is with what you do with your your radio show. Like you, you if you tell your people, hey, I'm having a barbecue at my house on Sunday. It'd be great if you could come by. You're the boss. Everyone knows they should show up. So, yeah, there's a little bit of that going on. People care about this team. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of pride in my young men. So they're showing up. They're getting stronger. And while the nation is hiding, these young men are looking for an edge. All right. Uh, again, I'm saying this again to America. Tim Jerns, this is the Southeast Tulsa College strength coach. You all know that strength coaches can be a little loopy. And so one of the details I was reading in this story is that you you're doing these drills that don't seem safe at this time. Like they're they they should be illegal. It feels like uh, that would be a shame because what we're doing is we got a bunch of fine young men here on the team and we're lifting weights, which last Last time I looked it up, that's not illegal. Uh, we're doing fireman carries up and down the dorm stairs. Uh, we're chanting. We're going through the playbook. Uh, I don't see anything illegal about that. And yeah, there's some special workouts that I've designed that we're doing. And that's how I get my edge as a strength and conditioning coach. See, Dan, I think the thing you don't understand is we're a small little school. We're a little school that wakes up in the morning. We you know, pull ourselves out of bed by our nutsack. We get to work and we're scrappy. We don't have the money of an Alabama and Auburn. So while everyone else is taking a playoff, we got to go in and we got to hit it twice as hard. Okay. Yeah, all right. That's fine. You hit it twice as hard. But what you have happening, like, are you not aware of what's happening in the country right now in terms of quarantine? And now's not the time for anything, to, for anybody to be hitting anything twice as hard. I have nothing but respect for what everyone's doing out there. And I understand what's going on. But I'm going to tell you something right now. We're being safe. We're working hard. But also we're aware there's a greater danger out there. There's an unseen danger out there that's even greater than what we're going through and it's called weakness tim jerns with us strength coach that's so ridiculous southeast tulsa college uh division one double a school team building exercises involuntary otas is what it is that they feel like it's uh, not involuntary these are voluntary off-season workout sessions that's very important that you say that okay fine voluntary otas uh during a time when no one is really practicing uh, how did you end up there what's your backstory because it's not like you uh haven't had controversy in your past before because even by strength coach standards it sounds like you're um you're an extreme strength coach 
Well, you know, my, my techniques are unusual, but once again, we're not we're not University of Texas. We're not USC. So we got to look for an edge any way we can. There was some controversy. I used to I was strength and conditioning coach at uh, Dawson College, small, small school up in northern Florida, fine institution. And we had a ritual before the football season would begin where every player would turn to his right. They would then produce a, uh, a serrated blade and cut the arm of the player to their right and put a little bit of blood in their mouth. And the theory behind this was we got to lack the taste of blood in our mouths because we're not going to win just by getting five star recruits and laying back in a Barker lounger. We got to work extra hard. And we did have a player who got sick. And the uh, AD at Dawson College, a fantastic man named Ted Beeman, he sat down with me. We shook hands like gentlemen, and we both agreed to move on. Somebody got sick. Is that what the backstory is? Someone got sick from the tasting of blood. Someone did get we, we don't know if it was directly from the blood, but someone did get sick. Yes, that is correct, sir. Uh, you mentioned earlier that your program, a lot of people uh, care about. Uh, I, I've honestly never heard of Southeast Tulsa College, so you'll forgive my ignorance. I don't I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just haven't heard of your football program or why it is you would have to go to these kinds of extreme measures to, to play against the Auburns and Alabamas of the world. Well, we, we, uh, we've been on the map a few times. I don't want to brag on our program, but uh, about three years ago, we, uh, we gave Auburn, we, we did a, a pre-conference game with them and gave them a little what for. I think we strolled into their stadium and they thought we were going to be pushovers. And what do you know? First quarter, we put six points on them. Now, the end score doesn't look as good. The end score was 88 to six. Uh, and we did have two players who uh, one player suffered a broken femur uh, but the bottom line is you count us out and guess what? They'll be counting you out. Can you explain to me these workouts? Because these details are impossible to believe as I'm reading some of these things, I'm finding all of this to be very, uh, dangerous really. Uh, well, it's not, uh, any kind of strength and conditioning is going to push people into new thresholds of pain. So I'm sure when you look at it on the printed page, it doesn't look as great, but all I can tell you is every young man who is here wants to be here. These are optional. These are not these are not mandatory workouts. These are voluntary workouts. And yeah, I've invented some workouts on my own. Uh, there's one where we uh, do a fireman carry. That's two young men. We'll carry another man up the dorm stairs. And then when they get to the top, they rotate and they carry a man back down. Uh, these are 10 story dorms. So it's a bit of a workout. There's another one. We call it uh, 20 men in the bubble. And what I do is I rent a local uh, fantastic business around here called uh, Luby Party Supplies. We get a bouncy castle and I get 20 young men in there. They all go down to their skivvies. They're in their underwear and it's sort of like King of the Hill. They're bouncing around in there. It's awful hot. Everyone's grappling, wrestling, and you have players throwing each other out of the bouncy castle. And then there's one man left. And that man gets an hour break if he wins that that drill. Uh, we've got a couple others. We've got uh, we've got no water Tuesdays. Tuesdays we work out. There's no water. You feel the pain. You feel the burn. You plow ahead. That's something from the 1960s. I don't think that stuff is allowed anywhere anymore. That is sanitary. Tim Jerns with a strength coach, Southeast Tulsa College. Their Division One AA. Are there doctors around watching what you guys are doing? 
We have actually my, my uh, she's not my wife, she's my girlfriend, but she lives with me, so essentially my wife. My wife uh, is a school nurse uh, at a local elementary school, so she oversees our workouts. Uh, no Water Tuesdays, if anyone's feeling dizzy or anyone's feeling off, they take a little break. Uh, no one's happy about it. We may give them a little barking while they're taking the break, letting them know that you know we're not liking the way they're playing it. But uh, but my wife, she uh, she oversees this. Uh, Sharon, she's a beautiful woman. She's 10 years my senior. She's got a, a couple kids that I love. I treat them like my own. And she's there. She's making sure everything is walking the straight and narrow. We've only in four years of doing this program. I think we've had to call 911 at the most eight times. Wait a minute. What? Yeah. Yeah. We've never we've never lost a player. We've never had anyone suffer permanent injury, but a couple times, yeah, we've had players where we need uh, we need some EMTs to take a look at them. And guess what? We're all stronger for it. They move on. Uh, two of the players did drop off the team, but otherwise, it's about getting harder. It's about seizing the opportunities when you have them, sir. You've had to call 911 how many times? How many times in how many years? Uh, I, I believe it's eight times in four years we've had to call 911. And that was just a precautionary measure. Uh, like I said, we've never lost anyone. Only two players dropped off the team. And uh, I, I feel like when I'm being cautious, you're going to take me being cautious as a negative. I didn't have to call 911 in those eight circumstances. Have you heard from compliance? Like Tim Jerns is with a strength coach, Southeast Tulsa College, Division One AA. They are doing some controversial things uh, in the sports world as everyone is telling everyone else to keep their distance. Have you heard from anyone in compliance? I, I, I mean, I feel like you're putting me on the spot a little bit. I I don't know what compliance is. I don't understand. <laughs> like, we have an AD uh, who's a hell of an AD. Uh, we got a dean. We got a, a president of our school, and I'm checking in with them every day. I don't, I, I don't, sir, I don't know what compliance is. I don't know uh, what else to say. If, if coronavirus does pop up in the school, uh, you know, what am I going to do? I, I just don't think that you understand how reckless all of this was, what you just did here. Tim Jern, strength coach, Southeast Tulsa College. Uh, I thank you for being on with us. I uh, I don't know if you know what's coming your way, but it's probably not going to feel very good. So I, I don't know if you understand during this time how, how upset people are going to be by this. Well, all I know is we got a local community. Our team is we're called the Granite Haulers. Uh, they've supported this school for 75 plus years. And the entire community is behind us with what we're doing. We have had no uh, appearances. We've had no incidents of the coronavirus. Uh, we are, everyone is washing their hands. Everyone is taking care of themselves. And I feel like your whole tone during this interview has been that I'm a fool. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like, uh, you know, hey, you're doing your show. Why are you doing your show? I'll tell you why. Uh, and I've heard your show and you guys are some sick puppies. Don't get me wrong. You make me laugh. And the other thing I can tell from you is you care about what you do. You're looking for an edge. While a lot of other people have to take plays off, have to take the day off. You guys are saying, let's go ahead. That's all we're doing here. But the tone of this interview, and frankly, I haven't appreciated it from the very beginning, has been one that I'm some Yahoo. God forbid I'm from Tulsa. I'm not from Miami. I'm not from New York City. I'm not from Los Angeles. And I'm out here and I'm doing the best I can. And your tone is, 
that I don't understand what's happening, that I'm putting my boys in danger. And I resent that. Really? Tim Jerns with us, strength coach, Southeast Tulsa College, 1AA. Uh, how much longer are you going to be doing this, these voluntary, involuntary, optional, but not really optional workouts? They are optional. They're, invo- they're voluntary. And uh, what we'll be doing is we'll be adhering to the NCAA, uh, whatever rules they set forth, whatever my fine institution tells me to do, I will abide by those rules. But as it stands now, there is no starting point for the season. So we will continue to work out until we are told to cease and desist or until the season begins. Uh, now, currently, I do have some feelers from some other institutions. Uh, I've just met with Iona. Uh, There is a chance uh, that I may have a position there. Tarlington State has contacted me. Um, You know, word has gotten around about my dedication, and part of it has come from this story. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. In the community, what I'm doing here has turned some heads, and I I am a believer in this team. Uh, I stand by them 100%, but at the same time, I also believe in my methods and what I'm doing, and if there is an opportunity, I will take it. Uh, I do. I am meeting with uh, Nick Saban. It will be a Zoom call. Uh, we are going to be talking in about two weeks. He's noticed what we're doing. And uh, the, the bottom line is, the headline is we're going to plow forward. We're going to always be at 100%. And, you know, I'm not going to be having my players cut each other and put blood in their mouth. That would be idiotic. But we are going to work as hard as we can. We are going to continue with the drills we're doing. What's this drill that I'm reading about here called the dog pit that is so controversial? Well, first off, it's not controversial. My players love it. Uh, My coach loves it. And what it is basically is uh, I have a beautiful conversion van I use because I do some volunteer work with the local church. So a lot of times I have to be driving people. But I also use it in our workouts. And I get about five, six dogs from the local shelter. Some of them are large animals. They're beautiful beasts, uh, shepherds, Doberman pinchers. And we'll put them in the back of the van. We'll turn the lights off and I turn the heat on in the van and each player's got to go through the passenger side door and make his way out the back door. And those dogs, by that time, they're getting they're getting awful ornery. They're getting frisky and uh, they, they tend to go at the players. But my players are tough and they make their way out the back. Uh, they've got some scrapes. They've got some cuts. I'm not going to lie to you. And by the end of the drill, here's what we do. And this is the part maybe people need to hear. We spray out the van with a hose so it is clean and sanitized. Each of the players, if they have scrapes, no one's ever really seriously been bitten. Each of those scrapes is washed out with some Bactine, and we have never had an incident with it. Uh, Are the players a little wide-eyed? Do they say, oh, yeah, that'll put some air on your chest? Yes, they do. Uh, Are those the reason for any of the 911 calls? Yes, sir, entirely. Every every time we've had a 911 call, it has been from the dog pit. Yeah, but of course, because it sounds insane. Anyway, all right. Tim Jerns, he's the strength coach, Southeast Tulsa College. This story that is impossible to believe is something that's actually making the rounds right now. Division One AA, he is doing some unorthodox things in terms of training with football players at the time of the coronavirus. And we're asking him questions about what he's doing. He's not backing down. And so uh, I thank you, Tim, for being on with us. We appreciate your time. Uh, it's my pleasure, sir, and I thank you for your uh, your hard work and your show. And like I said, you guys make me laugh. You're some sick puppies, and uh, I just want to thank you. That wouldn't be the last we heard of Tim Jerns on Mystery Crate. Nope, not by a long shot. 
A couple of weeks after this interview hit and started making waves across the nation, Tim Jerns reached back out to us and joined us again. And you're going to begin to sense a theme in the undoing of one Tim Jerns. A couple of weeks ago, we introduced you to a strength and conditioning coach from Southeast Tulsa College. Uh, strength and conditioning coaches can be really unusual people. And Tim Jerns, during a pandemic, had these controversial workouts where he still had his one double A players at Southeast Tulsa College going through a series of drills that had a lot of physical contact, a lot of human interaction. And he's agreed to come on the show again, even though evidently him talking about those workouts on our show ended up getting him fired so our thanks to tim jerns for joining us uh, again what happened why are you on with us right now and why did you get let go from southeast tulsa college well you gotta be feeling awfully good huh <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't i don't feel good about anyone's misery no really really i thought that's what you do down there where i'm where are you getting you in uh you in Miami, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got another notch on your pen here. Your gotcha journalism. Just roll over a guy's life. You and your snarky big city friends can just laugh at me. And now I've lost my job because of you. Because you taking me out of context over and over again. And that's it. My life's ruined. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, how did I take you out of context? You took me out of context. Oh, the entire conversation was I could have that same conversation with a, with 50 people in my life and I don't lose my job. And they go, good job, Tim. And hey, we like you, Tim. And I have it with you and I get fired. That's out of context. I don't think that that's the way context works. I think people just learned that you had eight 911 calls because you had some drills involving a van and dogs. Well, I guess it does no good to be uh, to to argue about with you with this. Uh, bottom line is I've lost my profession, my chosen profession. I've lost my job. And yes, part of the reason was given to me by my AD, Craig, who's one of the finest men I've ever known. And he sat me down. He man demanded it with me. I mean, it was on the, the Zoom, but it was still eyeball to eyeball. And he told me, he goes, Tim, we can't have this. We can't have uh, the, you know, the dog pit. We can't have uh, King of the Castle. We can't have uh, three in the hole. These, these workouts just are not acceptable. And uh, and there were some other reasons given as well. And, and uh, well, hold on a second. Three in the hole. You didn't tell us about three in the hole. I believe I did, sir. You did? What's three in the hole? I don't remember three in the hole. Three in the hole is uh, a drill I've been doing for a long time since uh, going back to my, my days at Denton College. And uh, basically what it involves is uh, we got three players who all want the same starting position. Uh, we had it. Three weeks ago, I have three safeties, uh, strong safeties, all of them, fantastic players, hard hitter, hit, head first tacklers, every one of them. And uh, basically what we do is we, we have a, a, we'll, we'll drain a swimming pool. Uh, we put the three of them in and it's real simple. First man out gets starting position. And uh, that's it. And uh, whatever happens in that pool, no one speaks of what happens in that pool. You said there were other reasons that you were let go, not just the controversial, uh, you know, drills and the interview. Once again, not not controversial around these parts in Tulsa. I could speak to a thousand people in our community. Every single one of them would pat me on the back, give me a firm handshake and look me eyeball to eyeball me 
and say, good job, Tim. Only when I go down to your world where whatever you're doing down there in Miami, riding on monorails and drinking bright blue glowing drinks with your friends and rooms with mirrors. I don't know how you live, but the point is suddenly I talk to you and everything's wrong. And that is context, sir. How did I go about ruining your life? How did we ruin your life? You lost your job, so we ruined your life. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I talk about these proven workout techniques that I have developed. They're not, I don't, I, they're not copywritten, but I was going to copyright them. I don't know. Now people are telling me they're illegal. I don't know if you can copyright things that are illegal. I got to get into that. That's something, my friend, that's an IP lawyer, apparently, but that'll be a discussion down the road. The bottom line is, I go in, I meet with Craig, and all these things that I've been celebrated for, suddenly when they're put into your mouth, are negatives. And yeah, there's some other things. There's some things about uh, you know allocation of funds. They have to say that kind of stuff. When you're going to fire someone uh, with cause, I think they call it, you have to have other reasons. So there was some other junk that Craig laid on the table, but that wasn't why it happened. We know why it happened. It's you and all your, your friends down in Miami just laughing it up. At, at, at me because I don't drive a Tesla or whatever the hell you think's funny. Aren't you under investigation though, independent of us? Like you keep telling me that I'm out of context and, you, and that I wronged you, but people found out about this and why are you under investigation? That's my fault. That is, well, I mean, you know, it's funny. Suddenly, you, you know, you're, you're, you're Mr. Popular in high school and one person starts to say he smells and everyone starts holding their nose. That's basically what happened here. And yeah, there were some questions about some funds for our, our strength and conditioning program. Uh, we have a we have a beautiful weight room here on the college, or I had a beautiful weight room here over there on the college. I'm no longer there. And because of my interview with you, uh, suddenly there were questions about why do you have two weight rooms? Why is there another weight room that's at your house? Uh, why have why have you set up some other weight rooms at you know at my my former uh, common law wife's brother's house? And why have we purchased uh, six weight sets? And there's all these questions that norm normally no one would care about. But after talking with you, suddenly it becomes a big deal. Is that the allocation of funds that's in question right now? Or are there other questions about the allocation of funds? There's some other questions as well. There's some other questions, but mostly it's, it's they, he said it's, it's uh, what was exact words? He said a redundant, redundant weight facilities was the term he used. And I'm not entirely sure what that means, but that's what he said. Is it that you had weights in your house <laughs> that you had? I'm sorry for laughing, but did you have a weight room in your house funded by the school that the players weren't using? Let's stop here for a sec. Are you really sorry for laughing? I mean, honestly, man. I don't want your life to be ruined. I don't, uh, I, I, that's not something that I'm out. You, you accuse me of being a gotcha journalist. I'm not out to ruin anybody's life. Yeah, I, I, I my, my buddy and I talked about it and I was going to quiz you on a bunch of stuff like state capitals. And every time you're wrong, say, look, see how dumb you are, but I don't have the goddamn papers here. But look, the point is, yeah, I set up another weight facility, another workout facility. And, and, you know, did I, was it, was it called Tim 24 hour fitness? Did I charge some people for memberships uh, in a, in an old abandoned, well, abandoned and unused Best Buy? Yeah, I did. And a bunch of hard hitters, a bunch of people who wanted to, to get after it, uh, you know, pull themselves out of bed in the morning, uh, you know, put their finger like a bowling ball in their and their, their their red hole and pull themselves out of bed and show up and work hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that happened. 
That's something that because I care about what I do. I did start an adjunct facility and I did charge membership fees using weight equipment from the college. But but once again, it's funny how you, you put a dark light on something and suddenly you can see all the stains. But before that, no one cared. An unused Best Buy? Yeah, it's it's a, it, we have a mall that's not doing so well. There's a Best Buy there. I filled it up with some beautiful weight equipment, workout equipment, and some people started paying me $20 a month, $30 a month to show up. And I'd walk through the gym and I'd bark at them, give them a little, give them a little, you know, kick in the fanny to get them going. And, and a bunch of people in our town, guess what happened, Dan? And this is such a crime. A bunch of people in our town got healthier. I only know how to do two things, Dan. This is the bottom line. And maybe this is what you missed. Because I, once again, I don't know how you live, but this is how I live. I know how to get ripped and I know how to get other people ripped. That's it. I'm a one trick pony. I'm genuinely sorry that your life feels like it's in tatters. Tim Jerns with us on ESPN Radio. Um, what has happened since? So this story comes out, or I don't know how people learned about it. I mean, we're a national radio show. I assumed you knew that when you were coming on to defend your practices. Uh, what else has happened to you? Look, I'm crazy. I'm like a rubber ball, man. You throw me, I'm going to bounce somewhere. And uh, I don't always bounce back, but I'm going to bounce somewhere. And, and guess what? It, it's been a week. I've lost my job. Uh, I've lost my, my salary. I've lost my health care. Uh, uh, federal marshals uh, seized the weight equipment in the Best Buy. So I've lost my gym, my private gym, my college gym. Uh, but I'm, I'm getting back on my feet. I, I got a, a, one, of my, one of my best, uh, one of my, my best friends in the world manages a red lobster. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, with what's going on in the world, they've had to shut the Red Lobster down. So I'm living in the Red Lobster right now. And they've got beautiful boots, uh, big, comfortable boots I'm able to sleep in. There's a little bit of food around here. There's, you know, a little bit of well liquor. And so I'm using this as a home base. My, my girlfriend, Sharon, did ask me to leave her house, uh, did ask me to cease and desist all contact with her. So so I, I'm using this Red Lobster and it's a, a beautiful beautiful place. It's a beautiful chain, well-run chain, very clean. And I'm using this and I, I, I've got a next career move that I think is going to knock some people over, to be honest, uh, Mr. Levitard. What is your next career move? Well, it, it's one of the great comeback stories of all time. And what I discovered from my little, my little experience with you and uh, your, your gotcha journalism, you know, putting another notch on your computer or your pen or what, whatever it may be, is that uh, there's a lot of people have been down this road. There's a lot of fine football players. There's a lot of fine coaches who were fantastic players, fantastic coaches who had their career ended because of a gotcha moment or because of a, you know, a, a bad moment with law enforcement. And uh, I've connected with a lot of them around the state. I've been getting DMs from them and I put them together and we are forming a football team and we're called the Counted Outs. And what we are is we're a team of former great coaches, players, and we're getting together. We've had four workouts already. We've gotten some secondhand equipment. We don't have a league, Dan. We don't have, uh, we don't have any opponents on a schedule. But what we're going to do is we're going to get in the best shape you can possibly be. We're going to get our uniforms. We're going to get our equipment, and we're just going to show up. And we're going to show up to work out, to practice. We're going to show up to other teams. We're going to stare at them through their fence and just be there in Full equipment and let them know we're ready to play. Uh, we got a quarterback, uh, Giles Giles McLock, who was a four-star recruit six years ago. And guess what? He has one bad moment 
with law enforcement and every gotcha journalism on the planet, every bit of, of the media goes after him and now he can't play football. Well, guess what? I'm giving, he's not counted out with me. He's going to be my quarterback. And this is a talented young man. And yeah, if you look at his, if you look at what the media wrote about him, you know, the guy who writes the media for the police blotter. Yeah. It says he, he exposed himself to some, to some people one night, one Saturday night while out partying. So that was it. They wrote him off, but he's my quarterback because they counted him out and the counted outs are going to come back. So I'm putting this message out there right now. If you've got a program and you want to play some people who are really hungry, you play my team. You play the counted outs. I can't believe that you're living in a red lobster. That's really, Dave. Everything I just said to you, every word, one of the greatest comeback stories in history and you're, you know, one thing you care about is that I'm in transition right now with my career. I mean, it's interesting. I'm sorry. It's not, I, I really don't mean to laugh. I feel terrible about laughing, but the idea that you're living in a red lobster seems too ridiculous to be true. Can you just answer me one question? Where, where do you live right now? Well, I live on an oceanfront po- uh, property. Uh, you know, the gotcha journalism pays well. Yeah, that's what I thought. So you sit in your oceanfront property in Miami and you laugh at me because I'm in transition. I mean, I didn't mean to laugh. It, it just, you know, red lobster, it's, it's, I'm sorry. Look, all I can tell you is there's some good stuff going on. This is a beautiful story. I, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know your show that well. My friends told me you guys, you know, you bust them up. That you guys can be a little, you guys can be sick puppies. And, and I thought you liked to laugh. I thought you liked heartwarming stories. I just had a beautiful story happen to me. When I was coaching Southeast College, Southeast Tulsa, there was another coach I didn't get along with. He was our, our safety, uh, our, our safety and defensive backs coach. And you know how there's this thing, Dan, between uh, white and black people sometimes where there can be a tension. There can be a thing. And, I, and I'll be honest, he's a he's an African-American guy. He's a black fellow. And he and I just right from the jump did not hit it, hit it off. I just I got I was suspicious of him. He was always looking at me weird. I didn't like the music he was playing. He hung out with these shady characters and we didn't hit it off. And there was a theft uh, at the football team and there was some stuff missing from my locker room. I had a bag of weed and I had about $80 in cash that were gone. And I immediately accused this gentleman and it became a thing. And I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes just between white and black people, there could be this thing. So it became a big thing. And then we never got along. We stopped speaking at that point. And I tried to get him, I'll be honest, I tried to get him fired from the team for his theft. And so this is a beautiful thing that happens. The day after I'm fired, this gentleman pulls up, our defensive backs coach, and he gets out of his car. And once again, he's got that music playing, which I'm not a fan of. And I'm at, I come out of the Red Lobster and parking lot's empty. And he just looks at me and he goes, all right, you're not a coach anymore. You're not on the football team. We don't work together. Let's do this. And right in that empty parking lot, and I'm getting, I'm getting a little choked up on this. I'll be honest. He and I just went at it. And uh, I went for his legs. He got a couple shots in on my head. And this, this must have lasted, I mean, damn, like a half hour. We just went at it. And finally, in the end, I got my fingers up in his, in his eye, and I fish hooked him the side of his mouth. And uh, he started screaming. I cut him pretty badly and he tapped out and he stood up and there was a thing between us. There was just this thing and it was beautiful. It was respect. 
And he got in his car and he drove away and I went inside. I was cut up and I had the rock salt all embedded in my skin. And I went into the Red Lobster and I cleaned myself off. And I thought, you know, it's just you could talk about. Yeah, I was a big shot strength and conditioning coach and we love this sport. And I was riding high. But when it comes down to it, it's about that kind of respect. And I saw it from my, my defensive backs coach. That doesn't sound like a beautiful moment at all. I, you and I, you and I define uh, beauty somewhat differently. Uh, before we get out of here, again, Tim Jerns with us on ESPN Radio. He used to be the Southeast Tulsa College uh, strength and conditioning coach. He blames me in an interview we did about his uh, controversial. Well, he says they're not controversial, but his drills were seemed dangerous during the pandemic. I've been told as a condition, we normally don't do conditions with interviews, that you have something that you need to say at the end that was the reason that you were able to do this interview with us. Yes, sir. Uh, I had some things I wanted to say to you on this interview. And uh, my, uh, my, I don't know what you call him. He's the brother of my live-in lady who asked me to leave. So anyway, he told me, uh, he told me, he said, Brendan told me, uh, you can't say the things you're going to say to this, this guy, this Miami guy, uh, you'll get in trouble. So he, he knows someone who used to be a lawyer who I ran my statements that I wanted to say to you by him. And he told me what I could say to you and what I couldn't say to you. So this statement I'm going to say to you has been vetted by a lawyer. I'm coming for you uh, straight up. Uh, I'm going to red lobster, hop my way down to Florida. I'll work a couple days at each one. And I'm coming for you. And I do not in any way mean that as a physical threat. I do not mean that as a threat of that I in any way have am armed or I'm carrying any kind of tool or implement that could be used to create harm or do damage to an individual. I mean this in an abstract sense that is more of jargon or colloquial language, but you don't make one single mistake about it. I am coming for you. And there's gonna be a night where you're gonna wake up and you're gonna see me there with that muscle V cutting right down the middle of my body, because believe me, and it's going to be on. And by on, I mean in a verbal, non-face-to-face -face sense, in a sense that in no way will be connected to any law-breaking or felonious assault. I mean this strictly in a satirical way for your program and not in a literal threat way. That sounds like a threat, Tim. I, I don't care how many vetted journalists. I don't, I don't, that sounds like a threat. Like You lawyered up, but that sounds like a threat. It is not a threat, sir. That is that is legally defined as satire. And, but I wanted you to get your ears around that. I wanted to, I wanted you to let those, those words sink in through your ears all the way down to your nutsack. And I want you to carry those words around with you because they are as, they are as true as a hurricane. All right. Uh, Tim Jerns, again, I am very sorry that that's what happened. I find your story interesting. I did not mean for there to be those sorts of consequences. Southeast Tulsa College has fired Tim Jerns, and now he is threatening me in a not literal, satirical way. Uh, Tim, I do appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thank you for being on with us. Uh, thank you, sir. And uh, I'll be seeing you soon. Yeah, you mentioned that. Certainly an escalation from one Tim Jerns, the now disgraced strength and conditioning coach swallowed by national controversy, a very clear escalation 
He made what sounded like a very clear and present threat to Dan Levitard. He joined us again. So I kind of have enjoyed these interviews that we have done, and I kind of haven't because they've gotten a little awkward with the eccentric former Southeast Tulsa strength and conditioning coach, Tim Jerns. Uh, If you haven't been following his journey, it's an interesting one. It began doing an interview on our show about some questionable uh, training techniques that he was doing during the pandemic, eight 911 calls. He ended up getting fired, saying that I took him out of contact context and I was uh, guilty of gotcha journalism, but he has asked to come back on the show because he is saying he's now got a success story. He's got a barnstorming football team and they, he says, are seven and one. Uh, 14 players who had college and pro careers derailed uh, by what Jerns says is fake news and gotcha journalism. So Tim Jerns returns with us here on ESPN Radio. Frankly, I'm surprised you keep coming on with us because the last interview we had, you didn't seem very happy and you blamed me for the fact that you'd been fired. Well, Dan, you know, the first thing you want to do uh, when you when you when something real special happens, when your life takes a nice turn towards the bright light, you want to call your haters and your doubters. And I was going to say rub their noses in it, but I'm too classy for that. So, uh, yeah, things are going real good with my football squad. Uh, as your listeners know, as you know, we're called the counted outs. And it's a lot of players who are counted out uh, by gotcha journalists like yourself, by the sports media, uh, by football coaches trying to put on by trying to virtue signal and trying to put on a fancy show for their boosters These are talented young men, and we're out here, and guess what we're doing, Dan? Guess what we're doing? Well, your barnstorming football team. It's a one-word answer. It's a guess what we're doing, Dan, and then you're supposed to say what? (laughs) What, Tim Jerns? We're winning. We're winning, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You're 7-1, and allegedly. I don't understand how it is that you're allowed to barnstorm during a pandemic. How are you even finding opponents? Well, right now, I'll just give you a little bit of setting. Right now, we are three hours east of Houston. And, and this is the beautiful picture I'm going to paint for you. And and I'll tell you right now, Dan, you're not looking, you're not craning your neck up at the 16th chapel here. This is actually real life, what's going on right now. And it is happening. We are three hours east of Houston. It is 92 degrees with 88% humidity. We are in, uh, we've just finished eating at a Red Robin. Uh, I've got, I've got 14 players. There's me, the coach. First time I've ever coached a team, Dan, and we're seven and one. Uh, and then we have our referee and our statistician. We, uh, so-so we call him. He's 88 years old. He is a Korean war veteran. And we have just, uh, the players, I can see them through the window. They're finishing eating right now. And we've got a 2003 GMC Safari. 2004 Silverado uh, with with pillows and piss bottles in the cab. And we've got an old FedEx step van with our team logo on it. And we are out here and we are winning. Well, let me celebrate some of your success then by letting you talk about some of your players, because I can't imagine how the hell you get people to play for you during a pandemic. Although I suppose you'd argue it's love of football. Uh, it's love of football. It's, it's heart is what it is, Dan. It's a big old sloppy covered in marinara filled with ricotta cheese heart. 
And that's what we all got here. And we're out here and we're getting it done. And I'll tell you what we're doing. We're driving into these towns and we're calling people out. We're calling the people who are lazy and fat, the people that don't care, that don't have that heart. Seven days ago, we were in Tuscaloosa. We drove through the whole town calling out, hey, where are you at, Coach Saban? Where are you at, players? We went by his house. We went by the office. And then eventually we gave him a time for the game. We showed up the next day. We got into the stadium. It was not easy to get into the stadium. And they didn't show up. That's a forfeit. That's a W. Seven and one, baby. Seven and one. So hold on a second. Are all seven of the victories forfeits? Are all seven of them forfeits or just that one? They're all. I'll tell you what all seven of the victories are. They're all seven of them are wins. And every one of them is a case where we showed up. We went to the Saints. We went to the Superdome. We went to Drew Brees' house. We said, let's get it on. We said, one o'clock tomorrow. We show up. They don't show up. That's a win. And we've got seven of them. We've been everywhere. We've been uh, Crestview High School, uh, about three hours north of Jacksonville, a nationally ranked team. They wouldn't show up. So we're just putting the call out. We're, we're racking up W's, baby. What happened with the loss? How'd you lose? I mean, that was tough. That was a tough day. That was. Uh, yeah. How do we lose? Uh, some of our offensive line blocking schemes were off. Uh, I don't think, you know, we try and run a West Coast style offense and our routes weren't as crisp as they could be. And I believe me, I gave the team an earful about that. Uh, and we lost. That was a hard fought loss. We lost 56 to 32. Yeah. I mean, basically what happened, Dan, was we were we were down in Shreveport. And we went to the Margaritaville Casino looking for a good time. Turned out it was closed down. But in their parking lot, I guess, I didn't know this, they were a lot of, uh, I don't know the politically correct term here for what I'm about to describe. Is it? Uh, and honestly, I don't know. So I don't want to hear you calling me out with what I'm going to say here. Are they bums or hobos? What do you call them? Uh, either work. They're, that's fine. Bums or hobos. That's fine. The homeless? Homeless. Homeless, I guess. I don't know what it is. Anyway, there's a lot of homeless people in the bums in the parking lot. And... They have them sleeping there, I guess, 10 feet away. So we pulled up looking. We're looking for the casino. And a bunch of these guys stand up and ask, what are we? And we said, what are you? And we got into a bit of a shouting match with them telling, hey, get off your lazy asses, get a job. And these guys start saying, hey, you idiots, there's a pandemic. You guys are running around and you're you're cheap football pads that look like they're from a Halloween costume. And in these Astro vans with house paint that you painted your logo on the side. And we're like, hey, you shut up. And they said, we'll play you right now. And a bunch of these gentlemen, I guess homeless, hobos, whatever you call them, stood up. And they said, we'll play you right now. And turned out there were some players in this group. And you talk about hunger. Uh, there was some hunger going. And one of the gentlemen after the game ended up, this is, the, this is where it gets a little sweet. One of the gentlemen ended up joining us. Uh, by a guy by the name of uh, Jimmy Bastion. And turned out Jimmy Bastion had played some high school ball years back. And once again, had one of those things, a gotcha journalist is going to dig through his record, uh, did attack his coach and bit a hole in his cheek because he thought his coach was, uh, was putting spells in his breakfast cereal. So unfortunately that derailed his career, but now he's with us. So, yeah, we took an L in that one. But you know what I say, Dan? Every loss is a learning experience. And in this case, there were a lot of elements to this learning experience.
Tim Jerns with us on ESPN Radio. Um, Mike Ryan has handed me a list because he doesn't think uh, that I should do this without being journalistically responsible. And he's handed me a list of some real questionable things on this roster, though. You say they're a bunch of fine young men, uh, but there's some stuff on this roster that's... Dan, finest young men I've ever known in my entire life. All right, well, tell me about some of them then. This Giles McNaught, you've got him playing cornerback and quarterback. What's his story? Uh, Giles is a, is a young man who can, can has an arm like a cannon. Uh, every time you talk to him, doesn't blink. Constant eye contact. And, and to me, that's very important. Uh, entire time I've known him, he's never once broken eye contact. And he's got a cannon for an arm. And guess what he did? He bumped into a gotcha journalist a few years back. This kid was a four-star recruit, lost all his scholarship offers because he made a mistake. He did, in fact, uh, one night uh, show parts of his body you're not supposed to show to a, to a very cute young girl who's trying to flirt. And his flirt went a little off the rails, and he is technically a registered sex offender. Well, flirting is a little soft there, Tim. There are some details here that, you know, he is a serial uh, exposer of himself. Oklahoma Museum of Science in 2018, a car wash in 2019. There's more than you're giving us here. Well, I mean, yes, he is technically a registered sex offender, he has shown unmentionable body parts to women, but I think he said it best. He was on the local news afterwards, and he took some flack for this, but I thought he called it out. He says, he said, look, if you don't want to party, close your eyes. And that's all he's doing. He's just putting it out there. In a way, it's, it's a form of honesty. All right. Well, give me some more honesty about some of these players on your roster, like the running back. Who's your running back? Rick Franchelle. Oh, my God. I love this kid. He's a bull, and uh, he's a bull who runs a four five forty is what he is. And you want to be you want to be in the trenches with this kid. He's going to have your back. He's our running back and our defensive end. And what is good about him? What what makes him special? I mean, he's a kid who had some puppy times when he's young. Dan, what do you mean? What makes him special? He's out here in in a, a rusted out Astro van with me, looking for competition. That's what makes him special. This kid was a former two star recruit. And because of a high school prank, that's it. His career is over because of some guy like you sitting in his beach house wanting to put notches on his computer. What was the prank? He, he and his friends who were young blew up a cow with a stick of dynamite his senior year in high school. And he took some flack for it. And yes, I don't know what you have in front of you, but he does have a face tattoo, which I understand, you know, probably in five years, no one will care. It's like Alan Iverson. Now in five years... It'll be like, oh, face tattoos, big deal. His face tattoo says me likey, and it's written around his lips, around his mouth. I guess it's a fun thing for him. And the other thing is he's an American, so he, he is known for exercising his open carry rights whenever possible. Our first two practices, I had to tell him I support open carry, but not now. Uh, so he does like to exercise his open carry. I can see him in the Red Robin right now, and he is open carry. I don't uh, believe that you can have anybody on your team more controversial than the two guys you've just mentioned. Uh, what? You, tell me something about your wide receiver that's not scandalous. Uh, I'll tell you a lot about him, Dan, that's not scandalous. And by the way, I love how you framed that question. No, no liberal bias there. Uh, T.K. Gerwin, let me tell you a bunch of things about him that aren't scandalous. He's our wide receiver, our free safety this is a young man who actually attended a, a Giants a professional New York Giants football camp. But he, you know, he's young. 
And like, you know, I'm not going to pull out stories about you crapping your pants and eating a, a jigsaw puzzle piece when you were two, because you know what everyone would say? Dan was young when he did that. And this kid was 19 or he was 21 when he was in that camp. And he did steal several helmets and football. Uh, and he claims he stole them for charity. Uh, and he did sell them to fans on the sidelines of the camp in full view of the team. Uh, when he asked why, now that he was misquoted here, he said, I needed money for Coke. And that doesn't sound good, but guess what he meant? Coca-Cola, Dan. So TK Gerwin's a guy who's gotten a bum rap. Okay, a pure American drink. Uh, Tim Jern's with us on ESPN Radio. I honestly cannot believe the details Mike Ryan has put in front of me on Evan Debers. Um, this story is crazy. Evan Debers, our offensive lineman, our nose tackle. Uh, well, here's what's crazy. Former five-star recruit. Every major program in the country was recruiting him. And that's it. He makes one mistake and his life's over. What do you mean one mistake? The mistake is pretty horrifying. We got into an argument with a gentleman at the Grand Canyon and he was a young man and it got a little heated. He was 18 years old and he did. In fact, he's a large Evans, a large, he's a, he's a drink of water. He's about 290, 6'4", 290. And he got in an argument with this guy who I understand was really pushing it. And Evan did pick him up and he threw him into the Grand Canyon. And the man was, did, did decease on the spot. So Evan served his time, Dan. He did 27 years for murder two. And now Evan's back out here and he's ready to work. He's almost 50 years old. But I, I, I defy you to try and run through the gaps on him because there's going to be a couple big bear paws that are going to come out and slam you to the ground. And you're going to get a wild-eyed look from Evan. This is a talented young man who's, who's served his time. He's paid his debt to society, Dan. So I don't even understand how this is a story. You don't understand how this is a story. Tim Jern's with us on ESPN Radio. Uh, I, I suppose you're going to claim that your wide receiver and strong safety, Sean Bench, he's not a story either? Uh, honestly, I, I don't I don't even understand what you're referring to. I, I knew you'd have a list of some players who, who were, were gotcha'd by different journalists. How is Sean even on this list? Sean Bench, I'm looking at him right now through the window of the Red Robin. He's our wide receiver, a strong safety. He's a lovely young man. Actually played in the CFL. He's a former professional football player. And guess why his career got ruined, Dan? Tweeting. Another gotcha journalism moment? What did he tweet? He tweeted something, and it was a joke. He was being sarcastic. He said, where's Hitler when you need him? And what he meant was, this, these people are getting on my nerves. I need a big, you know, a big boogeyman from history. And then, yes, he had a bad night. A week later, he was arrested for wearing a KKK hood in a Chuck E. Cheese, and later it was determined he was under the influence of meth. Although you got to hear Sean's side of this story. He claims he was on cold medication, and apparently that can register as meth. I'm looking at Sean right now through the window of this Red Robin, and Sean's got a big smile on. Hold on one sec. Sean! No! No, man! You don't do that! Sorry about that. He got a little friendly with the waitress in there. The manager had to step in. It's going to be all right. They're loading up in the van. We got a game coming up. Uh, Sean's a, a, a lovely young man anyway. Is this Jerns I have on the roster? Is this a relation to you? Are you Is this someone who, Cole Jerns, who plays for you? Who is, what's his story? Is that, who, how's he related to you? Cole Jerns, my brother, Dan. Uh, he's also our offensive lineman. He's defensive tackle. And Cole's, Cole's just straight up the finest person I've ever met on planet Earth. Uh, I mean, I think you could drag me around every continent 
around this globe. And I'm never going to I'm never going to meet anyone who I, I, I determined to be as fine a young man as Cole Germs. He was convicted of manslaughter. Yes. Yeah. Manslaughter. You know what the definition of manslaughter is? Not murder. And he he also was a strength and conditioning coach at West North Montana College. And he was pushing it with some players and there was an unfortunate accident. He did have one of his players. Look, Cole was trying to make a statement to his team and he went and he got, he found by the side of the highway, he shot a a, a black bear with a trank gun and brought it into his weight room. And the thing was passed out. And he said, we all got to be like bears. We got to get out there. And the, thing woke up and it did kill an elderly janitor at the college and he lost his job. And once again, here's what I don't get, Dan. Cole served four years in prison for manslaughter. Why do we bring it up? Like if you've served your time, I don't go around saying, hey, Dan stole the humidifier from Target. Oh, no, no. Dan actually paid the money for that humidifier. No, no. But still, he walked out of the store with it. Why do we bring this up when they paid their debt? An interesting question from Tim Jerns, I would say, because uh, usually you do not find rosters that have quite this much uh, scandal on them. Do you have anyone else there, anyone else who isn't someone who has a ridiculous story? Uh, If I picked someone randomly here, this Douglas Allen pitcher, what's he play for you? What's his story? What can you tell me about him that's a little bit cleaner than all these other guys that you're running around and you're telling me I'm the gotcha journalist, but I'm looking at it and all I see is scandal after scandal on your team's resume. That's why we're the counted outs. And apparently, maybe you don't understand that name. I have to explain it to you. There's a lot of journalists out there like you who look at young men who have paid their debt to society, have made a mistake when they were young, and you say, I count them out. I don't. I look at what they can be. And Doug, Douglas Allen Pitchard, our linebacker and fullback, he's a gentleman. He's a perfect example. This is a gentleman who has never been found guilty of anything in a court of law. He's been acquitted three times. Yes, of murder one. That's a serious charge. But he's been acquitted three times. And the one time he did actually get into trouble. Guess what? It's an Alfred plea, Dan. An Alfred plea is where you don't take responsibility for what you did. And that's the only time there's ever been any action taken in a courtroom against him. And yeah, there are a lot of people out there all over this. I don't know if you know, there's Reddit. They talk about this a lot and they call him the serial killer who got away. Uh, you know, as I said, he's been acquitted of several murders and took an Alfred plea. So no, he's not a killer. Uh, there's a podcast called the flea market killer out there. And they say Douglas Allen pictures, the flea market killer. And I guess this podcast is popular. And, you know, they say that Douglas Allen Pitchard killed anywhere between 25 and 35 people in Arkansas, Nevada area in the early aughts. Here's what I can tell you. I just ate a blooming onion with Douglas Allen Pitchard. You know what I just did with Douglas Allen Pitchard? I just laughed with Douglas Allen Pitchard. We just told stories to each other. And then Douglas Allen Pitchard said he has to go to, had to go to the bathroom. And I gave him a little pat on the shoulder and I said, I love you, Dougie. And, you know, it's been an hour and a half. I haven't seen Douglas. We're out here by the Red Robin. But when he comes back again, I'm going to give him a hug. You know what I'm going to call him? I'm going to call him brother. And then for our next game, he's going to play fullback. He's going to block for Giles McNaught. 
He's going to play linebacker. And, and this guy can cover tight ends coming out. He can cover running backs coming out. I mean, this guy's got wheels on him. And he's got a dead-eyed stare that just lets you know he's all about business. And his hands are, are cold when they touch you and like extra. You know how people have strong hands? That's Douglas. And all he has is a little duffel bag. And he's got his change of clothes. And he's got, you know, some duct tape in case he has to make repairs and a box cutter in case he wants to open up some gifts some people send him. And that's Douglas. He's simple, and he works his tail off. A heartwarming, lovable story. Tim Jerns, uh, please come back again. Uh, I don't have any more questions for you this round. Congratulations on your success. I look forward to talking uh, to you in the future. Uh, I can't believe that this is a team that's allowed to do things during a pandemic, but I salute you for being almost as elusive as Douglas Allen Pritchard. That's uncalled for, Dan. And and I just want to say to everyone out there, if you want a football game, you want to get a game going, and I'm talking to high school, I'm talking to college, professional, CFL, any of these leagues, you give the counted outs a call, we will be there within two Astro vans and a decommissioned FedEx step vans drive time. And we will be there in our secondhand pads. And you'll see a lot of young men with a lot of hunger in their eyes staring through the fence of your workout facility or your field. And we are ready to get it on anytime. We're putting the call out to all of America, hell, even Europe. Call the counted outs. We're seven and one. Woo! Get some, baby. Misguided aggression towards Dan Lebetard. But the hope that even though he's surrounded himself with Seemingly very dangerous people, Tim Jerns and his barnstorming football team were on a literal road to redemption. However, there is one more chapter to this story, and unfortunately for Tim Jerns, a rather tragic one. All right, if you've been following this recently, we've had quite the strange odyssey where we have gone out to Southeast Tulsa College and we were introduced a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, to Tim Jerns, the strength and conditioning coach who had all sorts of unusual practices that he was using during a pandemic in training his football players, one of which included a drill that uh, required eight nine one one calls so that was the first episode we did with Jerns. then he got fired he blames me for the ruination of his life he was living in a red lobster for a while and uh claiming that he was coming down to florida but in the interim he built a barnstorming football team that went seven and one and now i'm being told that he wanted to do a fourth interview today it was scheduled to go on right now but i'm being told that his sister uh, katrina jerns is calling in so katrina thank you for joining us do you know what tim wants why is tim not with us here today um Hello, this is Dan, Dan Levitard. Yes, Katrina. Um, it's nice to meet you. I, yeah, I'm Tim's sister, and I'm here. I am here at the hospital in Mississippi. Um, apparently, apparently, police found my brother severely beaten by the side of a highway outside of Biloxi yesterday. Um, I flew in from Maryland, uh, where I work. I work for the state as an urban planner, and we're here now in the ICU, and frankly, they don't think that Tim is going to make it. Oh, dear God. I'm sorry. Uh, what what has happened here? I, I didn't realize you were calling us from the hospital. 
uh, yeah, we're here. We're here at the ICU, and and we still, uh, honestly, we still don't know exactly what happened. Apparently, Tim was with a group of men who had uh, criminal backgrounds, and they turned on him. The FBI believes they're currently in El Salvador and are planning to smuggle large amounts of cocaine into Colombia. What do you mean into Colombia? Okay, I, this is very confusing, but why Why are you calling us? So you find him on the side of the road and you don't think he's going to make Like, how is he doing? And what state is he in? And why are you, are you calling us to tell us what? Well, our brother Cole was the only person with Tim when he was found. But honestly, Cole hasn't been the same since he injected over 400 cc's of bullshark testosterone into his testicles four years ago. Um, and he's no help. He's providing no details at all. And he just keeps screaming, flag on the play, flag on the play, over and over again. I'm sorry. Uh, again, Katrina, I don't I don't mean to sound so confused, uh, but why why are you calling us to tell us this? I don't. Are you of the opinion that we have a closer relationship with your brother than I think we do? I mean, we've only talked to each other a couple of times on the phone. Um, OK, Mr. Mr. Levitard, honestly, all Tim keeps asking is to talk to you. That's it. Apparently, you've been a father figure to him. And I'm sorry, I don't follow sports, so I'm I'm really sorry. I don't know who you are. Um, I occasionally listen to Colin Cowherd or Sk- or Skip Bayless, but that's it. And I think they're great. But honestly, I want to thank you for everything you've done for my brother. Okay, I'm sorry, uh, Katrina. I'm sorry for everything, uh, but there seems to be some confusion here. Uh, you say Tim wants to talk to me. Can he speak? Because I don't. I don't understand why it is that he believes or you believe that he and I are any kind of close. We don't have much of a history. It's just over the last month. And I'm, I'm really confused as to why it is you guys are calling me or why he needs to speak to me. Tim was such a good kid, honestly. And he, Tim started playing football and lifting weights six to seven hours a day. And he took a lot of that drug, I guess, H.G. Wells, based the book uh, Island of Dr. Moreau on. And his neck got so thick, and he got so loud. When I got married, he insisted on doing squats during the ceremony. When I asked him not to, he got enraged, and he kept yelling, Do you want my hammy to get tight, huh? Do you? I'm Katrina, I, I understand you're emotional. I'm I'm sorry. I don't uh, I don't mean to uh, get nostalgic with you. I just I hear what sounds like hospital noises in the background, and I'm just concerned when you're saying that your brother wants to talk to me and you don't know if he's going to make it. It's really been hard, Mister Levitard. My marriage isn't in great shape. I don't know if Tim has confided any of this to you, but you're really kind, and you have like you have such a nice voice, and it's very soothing. And I I thought maybe. I thought maybe we could get a drink together sometime when this is over. Um, okay. I, um, I don't know how to respond to that exactly. Katrina, again, I, I forgive me for just pressing on this. I, what does your brother, what would he like? What would he want me to do here? Hold on one second. It looks like Tim, looks like Tim's eyes are all wide and he knows I'm talking to you. So hold on one second. Let me just, I'm going to put him on. Okay. Tim, yes, Tim. Tim, are you okay? What's happening here, Tim? Why, why, what's the matter? What happened to you? Tim. 
Damn. Yes, yes, Tim. <laughs> you were right. You were right as always. You were right about everything. Every word. People who listen to you should know that you're just always right. They just... It just didn't go good. It just all of a sudden we were all laughing and then the laughter, you know, when someone starts laughing and and they start laughing so loud, it starts to get weird and then everyone's laughing and then all of a sudden I just felt the punches and saw the white flashes. My brother's is running around in circles. He kept yelling, call a flag, call a flag, put, drop a flag. And that's all I remember. And, I just, they say I might not make it. They say this could be it, the brain swelling. And I just wanted you to know, you're the best friend I've ever had in my entire life. You're like a father, you're like a brother. You're like a church leader. You're like a friendly local policeman who takes an interest in a kid. You know how they do that sometimes? Tim, what happened? What I'm sorry, what happened to you? I don't know. No, man, I don't know. They they got they got mean. They all the things you said about them were right. They were mean. They weren't my team. And they had this cocaine. They kept saying they got it from they you got it out of Columbus, Ohio, and they got to smuggle it to Columbia. And I kept saying that's not how it works. And you should lay down. It's not how it works. You don't smuggle it in. It came from Columbia. And they're like, no, it came from Columbus. And then one of them said, no, Columbia, South Carolina, Columbia, Washington State. It was confusion. And they're like, we're going to get this to Columbia. And they took the cars and they sold them and they took all my money and the equipment. And they're doing it, man. They're going to smuggle that cocaine into Columbia. They, they said, we're going to be rich. We're going to be like Tony Montana, only in reverse. Well, I'm going, man. Tim, I don't, I don't understand. Forgive me, please. Uh, I think I heard your sister telling you to sit down. You shouldn't be like. Don't get emotional or worked up about these things. Can you please just be someone uh, relax in a relaxed state while we're talking about this? Yeah, here's the thing, Dan. Our team, when we were playing together, we were beautiful, man. I mean, you should have seen us. Our formations, our cadences, our audibles. We were like ballet, man. And just there, some of those guys, they just can't, what's the, you know, you can't teach a, a old dog new tricks. Well, you can't teach a, you can't teach a wild hyena any tricks. Like, you none. So there's some things, man. I just need you to take care of some things for me. My will. And most of all, I need you to take care of Rachel, man. My sweet Rachel. I don't know who Rachel is, I, Tim. You're 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 going to read your will to me now. Her name is Rachel Lancaster, and she's a life doll I had made about six years ago. She's so real. She is real, and she needs some dental care. She needs some medical care. There's, she has a lot of student debt to University of Phoenix. And you shouldn't strain yourself. But she needs really? to get away, Katrina. Get away. Please calm down, Tim. Please calm down. You always wreck everything! You gotta take care of Rachel Lancaster, Dan. Take her to your home, your mansion on the ocean. She's in a storage locker in Texarkana. 
old rusted spear guns in there. There's an oil painting of my hero, Richard Incognito, that I did. It's got to be worth something. There's about 18 grand in nickels. And but Rachel's there, and she's a queen. And just will you swear to me, you'll take care of her, my life doll, Rachel. Tim, I'm not sure this is appropriate. I'm not sure that I should be. I mean, I don't want to deny, uh, you know, a dying man his dying wishes, but I don't think that you and I have the relationship that I should be executing your will for you. I bought her a first class ticket. Rachel's going to be on a plane. She gets in the night at 630. And the airline knows to take care of her. And don't worry, we got a face mask on her. And... They'll put her in a wheelchair and they'll take her to your house and you just take care of her. I've, I've, I've loved her like no one I've ever loved in my life. Even my brother Cole, I've made love to her many, thousands of times. But she's clean. I always bleach her when I'm done. And just take care of her. And last, I, like I said, you're like a father figure, religious figure. I want you to hear my last confession. Please, Dan. Please ask my sister. I don't, I'm don't. i not making it out of this, and I need you to hear my last confession. And I think you have to arrest her. I, I, think think you need, to I think you need to go be still like Rachel is still. Will you please hear my last confession? Yes, yes, please, of course. Aren't you, aren't you like, aren't you from the Caribbean? Aren't you, do you, I think you practice Santeria, is that correct? I, no, that, no, I'm, I'm Cuban, but. Down now. Tim, can you please sit down? Can you sit, please? Roll. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to sit down. Katrina's always the grown-up. Always the mature one. She loves you, Dan. She won't stop talking about you, Katrina. You should just meet her for a drink. Tim, cut it out. Dear, dear Lord, it's been, been 15 years since I gave my last confession. I've sinned. Please forgive me. Uh, I roundhouse, I roundhoused a guy for eyeballing me in a Toys R Us in front of his wife and kids. And I always felt bad about that, the way his kids looked at me. I mean, it was a beautiful roundhouse. It was perfect arc on it. My hips were loose back then, but I still have to feel bad about it. Uh, I got, I, I claimed that I was a financial advisor. And I managed the money for a puppeteer in Southeast Ohio. And I took everything. I took everything. I sold his puppets. I took all his money. I bought cocaine. I bought Gibbon Adrenaline. And I feel bad about that. And uh, I posed as an undergrad student at Northwestern University. I walked onto the football team and I played two games as a starting cornerback. I had three passes defended. I don't know if that's a sin, honestly, Dan. I feel good about that one. That's some of the best memories of my life. I was 29 years old, but man, like I said, I had loose hips back then. I mean, my transition, I, I, I'd flip those hips and I'd be right in the guy's face. I, I stole a, I stole a, a an ambulance in Washington state and it did indeed have a patient in it. And I drove that ambulance across the country and I never checked in the back of the ambulance for the welfare of the patients. And I, and I did get $11,000 for that ambulance. Uh, 
But mostly my biggest sin, Dan, is I didn't love Rachel enough. She was always there for me every day. And sometimes I would say, Rachel, shut up. Rachel, get out of my face. And she's just there with those sweet eyes and that kind of half permanently open mouth. You know how life dolls have those? Yes. Dan, Dan do you know how life yes, dolls? Yes, 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 Tim. Say, I know, I know yes. how life dolls have that. Have I, 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 do, I do know how life dolls have that opening in their mouth, yes. Most of all, Dan, the greatest sin is I wasn't the friend to you that you were to me. You were always there for me. Everything you said was true. And there was a moment, Dan, I don't know if you remember, I was going to come down to Florida and I, I had bad intentions. I was going to hurt you. I had it all planned. I was going to get in your apartment and I was just going to lay a, a three-day reign of terror on you in your apartment. And the fact that I had those thoughts that I was going to work in Red Lobsters and work yeah, my way down. Yeah, you've got to lay down. <sighs> I'm dead, Katrina. Don't you get it? There's nothing left. My head looks like a, a Mr. Kazoo from the old Flintstones cartoons. It's gigantic. Please forgive please for these sins, Lord. Will you tell me I'm forgiven, Dan? Uh, Tim, you're forgiven. Please, please listen to your sister and rest. Please, uh, thank you for calling. Tell me, if, is there anything else you need? I, I will try to execute whatever it is that you needed executed. Uh, I'm sorry you're in this state. You have to pick up my life doll, my love of my life, Rachel Lancaster, at the airport today, 635. She will be arriving at Miami International Airport. Be there for her. This is my main request. Be there for her. Put her in your car. Take her out to dinner to an Applebee's and treat her right. Is is there anything else that we should be confessing just so that you can feel uh, better about yourself? Dan, like I said, I'm not going to make it. And I, I just, I just, I do thank you for everything. But what these guys did to me, they beat me so badly and. They, they put a bowling trophy in my anus. They got it in there, and they humiliated me. I don't know. I just feel like someone needs to know that. My sister didn't even know that. I just feel like I got to say it, what they did to me. It was a bowling or a fishing trophy. And I know you're really, really out of it right now, but you're on the air. You can't say anything. Right you're on the air! You're on the air! Tim, please relax. Please, please relax. Just listen to your sister. Tim, we're, we're going to go now. I, I thank you uh, for sharing your story with us. I hope that your most dire concerns are not real and that you will be okay. Thank you for being on with us. And please relax. Listen to your sister. My sister wants to say some words to you. Please, please pray for my brother, Mr. Leptard. Please. You really sound like such a kind man, and there aren't many kind men left nowadays. I just want to say God bless you, and I I come down to Miami sometimes, and it, I would really like to meet up with you, maybe get a drink, and you, I just... Katrina, uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your hospitality. This is an emotional time for you and your family. I'm already responsible for Rachel. Um, please just uh, make sure your brother is okay, and please make sure that you are okay. Thank you for being on with us. I'm sorry, uh, whatever it is that I contributed to any of this that might have felt less than pleasant. Thank you. Just pray for him.
pray for Tim. Okay, Katrina, thank you for being on with us. Thank you. A tragic ending to the Tim Jern saga. We never heard back. We can only assume the worst, Dan. I enjoyed, I guess we can tell people now, because one of the things, and, man, and many of you figured it out. I'm not sure how. How how did they, was there a specific? The person joined the Big Suey, and it was pretty clear that this person was the voice to not just Shane Bacalata, which he admitted to on that Big Suey, but also possibly the shame, disgrace, strength, and conditioning coach. Tim Jerns. Yeah, so this is the joke, okay? And one of the things that happened during the pandemic, as Mike said, because creatives were stuck in the house is that Adam McKay wanted to play. He couldn't make succession. He couldn't make much of anything. The pandemic was forcing everyone inside. And so pause Academy award winner, Adam McKay Academy award winner. This guy is no, presently than, no. answering our text messages from a set with Leo DiCaprio and Meryl Streep. No, it's not just Academy award winner though, Mike, that's not even the reason that I respect and admire him. He's the, he's funny or die. Like that's what we are headed toward. I've wanted to have this guy in our world for the better part of five years because funny or die spoke to me so much about just birthing or burping out content. And I wanted to learn from him. And so it was a great joy an enormous joy during the pandemic to work with him, to collaborate with him, where I'm a straight man and this guy who's responsible for really an era of comedy, and we're not even making movies like that anymore. When's the last good comedy you saw? Like, we're not even doing what he was doing because he's moved off to vice and politics and some other more important type of work. I want to have this conversation with David Sampson on our local hours. You remember great comedies, and they're judged. You should judge them by the sensibilities of the time, but it's hard to do that. I thought 40-Year-Old Virgin was like the funniest thing. What's a last great seminal moment R-rated comedy for a generation that we've had? Well, Seth Rogen took it from 40-year-old virgin, and he took he dominated him and Apatow, But right? I was watching Superbad, and Rogen's fingerprint. It's about Rogen's childhood, right? And I'm like, wow, you can't make this movie now. Who made Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Do you know? Yeah, the star of it. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, it's, What's his name? It's uh, uh, Jason Siegel. Jason Thank you. Siegel Chris Whittingham from The Shadows. Always. Thank you, Chris Whittingham. Anyways, all of which is to say... Adam McKay, and this is a true story. You won't believe it because Mike just mentioned he's on the set right now making a climate change movie with uh, DiCaprio and Meryl Streep. And he enjoyed the doing of this so much. And directing is not as fun that he was telling me that. Uh, listen to this story, Mike, because it's it's the best because he comes up from Saturday Night Live and he comes up from Funny or Die. This is a guy who's basically across the last two decades, a, a comedy genius. He really is. Anchorman and Step Brothers and. And as I said, funny or die. And there's this scene in The Wire, Mike, where I think it's Marlowe makes his way to the top of the, the, the drug game and he finds himself with lawyers and with a bunch of real estate people. And this is the top of the game. And he's a bit miserable. He's, he's unhappy because this is not how and why he got into the drug game. And so the last shot of one of the episodes is him standing on a street corner after running off someone, some somebody off the street corner, and the shot is of him, and you see the smile on his face because it was where he was meant to be. Adam McKay was getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning amid chaos and everything because the joyous place he wants to be is not on the set with DiCaprio and Meryl Streep. That makes a nice movie, and that I mean, will be great to do. Who doesn't want to be do. on a set with DiCaprio? That, that'll be great to do. But in the terms of the comedy space or the spiritual entertainment space where he wants to be, he wants to be a paid intern on a dumbass show in the shadows for 19 people who are going to get the joke. 
so that he could beat Tim Jerns and just screw around the way he used to in the Saturday Night Live writer's room when he was running it. So if the feedback to this episode is good, we hope to give you more of these spoof characters. He loves doing it. Where you guess who it is, because we revealed this on the on the on what is referred to as the radio show not too long ago, but we were in talks with Jonah Hill and John C. Riley to Mike, play some of these John characters. John C. Riley was going to play Andy Ganjo, a baseball player who had to be, because of the pandemic, introspective for the first time in his life. Yeah, and I believe found out he was gay. He did. Well, he was, yes. He found out while we were talking to him about it. <laughs> yes, that's correct. And Jonah Hill was going to play. I was talking to him about this. Jonah Hill was going to play a bat meat lobbyist before, before his publicist swooped in and like, this is a terrible idea. And we and so I'm explaining to them, Mike, how do you think this one goes over in Hollywood? Hey, no one's ever going to know it's him. We're never going to tell anybody that it's That's him. That's the way anyone does anything in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, so we've got to play the Bacalata ones, too. Way, we- yeah, shout out to uh, Ian Roberts from Upright Citizens Brigade and Neil Flynn from Scrubs, a janitor from Scrubs, that were our second choice. Uh, but uh, would have lost out if negotiations broke right to Jonah Hill and John C. Riley. We will replay some of these as mystery crates, or maybe we'll put them on World of Suey or something. We'll figure out something to do with some of the others if you don't want to have your daily content feed uh, cluttered with things that feel recycled. We just did want to go back and... and sort of explain that joke to you because we it's like i said it was the height of the pandemic well, for us in terms of creativity and hopefully the audience enjoys this original bit of content surrounding the repurposed stuff please support levitard and friends if you're listening to it that means you must surely be subscribed if not smash subscribe brand new sapodities out on days that the dan levitard show with Stu gots is off we're going to spotlight these properties and give them the proper care and nurturing they deserve because you're supporting it so thank you so much mystery crate will be back next week what's on that episode dan i do not know precisely it's a mystery